desire is to see the Holy Spirit empower us to do mission. And so if there's one message that you, you need to hear, go and listen to that. It's just, I believe, so key for a time. And, and he shared, he actually uh, texted me today and he says, I was so moved that it was the most significant thing I've done this year. He was just so honored to be a part of, of this. And, and we've just really connected and there's just, God's doing something. And he shared with me that he was just in a room with 24 of the denominational leaders of our nation, 24 from Baptist Alliance Pentecostal. And they were all talking about one thing, renewal, revival, restoration. It, it was different language. Some used different words, but they were all talking about the same thing. How do we see that in our nation? And so God is doing something very special. So I just, I say, let's keep him in prayer. He, he leads um, a lot of pastors and leaders, and, and it's incredible what God is doing, and we're honored to have him, and I know he'll be back. And, um, but he's calling us deeper as a community, and um, there's more. Where, wherever we find ourselves in the river, there's, there's more in the river. The river of God is flowing, and, and I believe that God calls us deeper. We might be on the shore tonight. We might be waist deep. We might be ankle deep. Wherever you are tonight, the Spirit's drawing us deeper. There's more. There's more of His presence. There's more. I want to speak tonight a thought, lion's roar. Lion's roar. And this is a call um, on each of us to have a boldness like a lion and a roar. And um, there's something about the lion characteristic that I believe God wants to impart to us tonight, to reveal to us tonight. Um, Jesus Christ was both God and man. He was also, the Bible says that he's a lion and a lamb. Um, in the book of Revelation, John goes to an, into an encounter and a voice calls him to come up here. He goes into the throne room and it's unreal. And, and the scripture says there's 24 elders that are worshiping. And, and, and all this is happening. And one of the elders says in Revelation 5, See the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And John looked. And he looked because he thought he's going to see a lion. He thought, okay, they're announcing a lion. I'm going to see a lion. And he looked over to the throne. And there was a lamb that was looking as if it had been slain standing in the center of the throne. And they were saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain. See, there's this incredible mystery that Jesus Christ was both the lion and the lamb. He, 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 it's not logical. My logical brain likes to put things into order. And it goes, huh, at this moment. Because it, it, it's, it's not logical. Um, but that's okay. Because my desire to know him greater... Um, is, is greater than my desire to try to logically figure him out. To logically try to fit him in my brain. See, if our faith is, is rooted in our own logic, we're missing something. See, if I can figure out God, then he must be smaller than me. But God is bigger. I recently at my door, uh, some people came, and I would consider them, they're from a, let's just say they're from a cult. They came to my door, and they told me that, 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 Jesus, that Jesus is a good guy, that Jesus is God's son, but he's not God. He's not the Trinity. That's not possible. And, and, and we, we talked, and we had a great discussion, and I start to talk about the miracles and what Jesus has done, and the conversation kind of ended pretty quickly. <laughs> 
But, but as they left, I thought, you know what? Logically, they figured it out in their brain. It's impossible that a person, the Trinity is just this crazy concept. And they just, they've tried to figure it out in their human brain, but they can't understand because God doesn't fit into our human brain. He invented us. And, and so, you know, here's this story with the lion and the lamb. And Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, Jesus is the lion and the lamb. Lions, um, lions in that picture, you know, that we think of lions, you maybe think of I don't know, songs that think you of lion, the lion sleeps tonight, that old 80s song. I'm not going to sing it. It's too high, Karis. Otherwise, I would. Um, but you think of lions, and when in 2010, I was in Malawi, Africa, and we had a day off, and so we went on a safari, and we went to a national park, and, and you got to picture this, so there was five of us going on a safari, and so we didn't go on like a big jeep, we didn't go, and basically we went in the, my pastor's Honda Accord um, wagon, okay? So we're think of a bottomed-out wagon, like Honda Accord, whipping through a national park in Malawi, and we picked up a guide, a guide with a gun, which is a good thing. So we got the guide with the gun, but I'm like, I want to sit. I was in the back seat. I want to see. So I said, okay, <laughs> you sit in the middle. So the guy with the gun, the big assault rifle, is sitting in the middle. The assault rifle is like the barrel is pointing into my stomach. I'm like... <laughs> Like, doing this the whole time, because it keeps, like, coming over, and I'm like, if that gun goes off, I'm going to, like, die. <laughs> we get to a road. There is a herd of elephants, and there's our little Honda. And so we, start, we cross this bridge. We get to the road, and the elephants are, like, maybe a 50 to 100 feet, and there's a whole herd. It's unbelievable. So I'm, like, taking pictures. I kind of stood out, and, and I'm taking pictures, and, and then all of a sudden, the elephants start to, like, they notice that we're there. And the hip, there's a hippo over there, too. And I'm like, oh, well, hippos are a little safe. They're like, no, hippos are not safe. <laughs> so the elephants are getting annoyed, and they see our little car, the little Honda. So we get back in really quickly. The pastor puts it in the reverse, but because it's a standard, he stalls it. The elephants are starting to like slowly move towards this thing. And I'm just like, oh. And the guy with the gun is trapped in the middle. So that's not going to help. Later, I'm like, can I shoot your gun? He's like, oh, I don't have any bullets. <laughs> they were too expensive. So that was my Malawi safari adventure. We did not see a lion that day. And I wanted to see a lion. Lions are powerful animals. They say the average lion weighs 400 pounds. Uh, they're social animals. They like community. They like to hang out. They would attend community on Monday night here at McKernan Church. <laughs> sign up. They're telling you to sign up. No. Um, they rest 20 hours of the day. Lions, they can roar, and a roar can be heard for eight kilometers. That's incredible. They... They're a symbol of royalty, actually dating back to the Bible times. And, and you know, 
And, and we always hear of the alpha male, the lion, you know, we think of that, the leader is the lion, and we kind of, but you know, the female lioness are actually better hunters than the male. They're faster, and um, they're smarter, and... Um, <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> Just reading my notes. Um, they are not, you know, but the, the thing about the lion is the lion is not the fastest animal in the jungle. The lion is not. And, and we think of, okay, the lion can do everything, but um, actually the lion, there's a lot of things that actually are a lot faster than the lion, but they still catch them because they're patient. And they have a courage, and they wait patiently. They'll wait for hours and days. They'll, they'll wait out, they'll hide, and, and they'll be in the right spot. Um, why was Jesus called the Lion of Judah? Jesus was referred to as the Lion of Judah, and Judah was one of the people groups. It was a nation. Um, and it came from Jacob's son, Judah. And in Genesis, Jacob prophesied this, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the people, peoples. Genesis 49. See, basically, he's saying that this tribe, Judah, is going to be over every tongue and every people, and they'll serve him. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy when he came on earth because he's actually a descendant of the tribe of Judah. So, Lion of Judah... Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Also in the upper room, the angel referred to the root of David. And the term actually comes from Isaiah 11, where Jesus fulfilled another prophecy. And it said, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness shall she judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The earth shall be, the full, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, which is actually the root of David, there it's a grandfather, um, who, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Isaiah 11. See, this passage pictures a perfect king. A king who will bring justice to the poor and the weak. A king who will punish the wicked. And, and, and by killing them with the breath of his lips and striking them down. And, and John has this encounter in the throne room. John expects to see the powerful, mighty lion. John expects that's what he's going to see. He's come to overcome all. And what he sees is a lamb. A lamb that was slain. Jesus Christ the lamb. Jesus was also referred to as the lamb. Sin requires judgment. It separates us from God. And, and dating back to Adam and Eve, when the fall happened and they ate the forbidden fruit, there was sin that took place. And they experienced shame, guilt, fear. Fear came in. And God exercises justice by punishing sin, but he also exercises mercy by providing a substitution. And so in that day, to provide mercy, the people could actually put their sins on a spotless lamb. They could put their sins, they could say, these are the things that we've done wrong, and then they could sacrifice that lamb, 
and the lamb would, would die in their place. The, the lamb actually had to be spotless because if the lamb wasn't spotless, they would say, well, that's the lamb has its own sin. So when the lamb dies, it's actually dying for its own sin, not the people's sin. That's why the lamb had to be spotless. And this went on for generations. If you read the word, there's, there's like over 200 references to lambs. When they would clean the temples out, they were killing. There's a lot of lambs that were sacrificed. And... Um, you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah prophesied. They prophesied that the one coming whose suffering and sacrifices would pay the redemption would be like a lamb led to slaughter. And then Jesus came. And John the Baptist is by the river baptizing. And in, in John 1.29, he says, as the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He said that as Jesus approached. He recognized it. See, he was a lamb that was also spotless. It says in Hebrews 4.15, in every aspect as we are tempted, yet he was without sin. So Jesus came, he, he didn't die for his own sins, but he died for all of our sins. Jesus was a spotless lamb that was slain. And, and so to see Jesus fully, we have to see him as a lion. And to see Jesus fully, we have to actually see him as the lamb. We, we have to see both. He's truly a lion and he's truly a lamb. See, if I see Jesus only as a lion, I miss the important aspect of him. And if I see him only as a lamb, I miss an important aspect of him. We must have a revelation tonight of both. See, if I see him as an avenging lion, we see that Jesus will come and he'll judge our enemies. He'll roar loud. He'll cause my enemies to scatter. He'll do all these great things. He'll protect me. He's the lion. But there's truth in that. But the ancient Jews also thought this. They, they, and some still think this. They, they were looking for the Messiah to come and to conquer all, to, to come in. And, and in their day, uh, with the Roman politics, they were looking for a political Messiah. They were looking for someone to, to make the wrong right, to, to free them from all the, the harsh they were being treated by the Romans. But Jesus came in a package they didn't recognize. He came as a lamb. He came born to a virgin Mary. He, he came in a package they did not. They thought triumphal entry, stealth bombers, blow stuff up. Here's, you know, Jesus is going to come. And, but Jesus came in a manger when there was no room. He, he came in all these ways they did not think a Messiah would come. See, the false view can creep into our thinking that, you know, I'm a believer so I can wield God as a tool or a power to wipe out those that oppose me. And um, we, we like to judge, we like to smite, smoke, um, rocket launcher stuff. Like, we, we like that. We like God, like, take care of our enemies, eliminate them. But see, if we see Jesus as only the lion, we miss um, something so important that the Jews missed. He, he is the lamb as well. And, you know, I like... Um, C.S. Lewis, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, how many have seen it? You've watched the movies, read the books, you, you know what I'm talking about. But I love it, there's a, there's a scene in it, and basically in the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've not seen it, Aslan is portrayed as the Christ-like figure. It's, a, it's an allegory of Christ and salvation. And, and um, the children meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And when they meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, um, they, they, they were asking about Aslan. And Lucy says, is he a man? Aslan a man, said Mr. Beaver. Certainly not. 
I tell you, he's a king of the wood and a son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. See, Jesus is the Lion of Judah from the root of David. And if we just see him as the, king, as the lion, you know, then we can sometimes, we tend to marshal, you know, we tend to marshal God to support us rather than find out what side God is on and be part of that. We, we, whether it's politics, whether it's the Crusades back in our history, whether it's um, relationships, we may not understand the identity and the Father, and then we wield God as this force of this power to control, to manipulate, to do violence, to do pain in His name. And that's not right. That's not, that's not what it's about. See, God is better than we think. He, he is a good Father. He is so good. And he just doesn't value me, but he values everyone else. He values my enemies. He values those that come against me. He died for my enemies. He loves my enemies, and he called me to love my enemies. See, the Old Testament was one of judgment. The Old Testament, people, but the New Testament was about love. See, I think many times we connect with Jesus the Lamb, but not fully understand it either. And we stay away from Jesus the lion, but you know, we need both. And I sense so strongly tonight that God's calling us personally. God's calling us as a community of resurgence to be who he's called us to be. That involves a boldness. That involves a courage. That comes from a revelation of Jesus as the lion. It's time to roar as a lion. It's time for a boldness to arise in our hearts that we roar as a lion. And that bold, bold, holy confidence that God's called us to be. But the fact is, that's rooted in the fact that Jesus is the Lamb. You, you can't have the confidence of the lion unless we realize Jesus is the Lamb. See, when someone knows who they are and they walk in it, it's a beautiful thing. You, when you see somebody who's secure, who has a confidence, who, who knows who they are in Christ, who is secure in their father, who's a son or daughter and walks this out, there's something about it you can notice when they walk into a room. You see it. You see how they carry it. You see their, their choices. You see the wisdom that flows. You see their decisions aren't out of hurt, out of fear, out of pain, out of doubt, but they're actually out of life because they're so rooted in the heart of the father. See, each one of us in this place have a call to roar. You were created with such a DNA, a purpose, a plan that only God has called you to fulfill. And it's time that we each roar. It's time that we each have that confidence to step into who Christ made you to be and to actually step into it in this season. 
You know, we, we echo the words, you know, Canada will be saved. If you've been to Resurgence, that's, we, we've said these words, Canada will be saved. We, we know that Jesus told us to go. We know that in, in the end of Matthew, in the end of the Gospels, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. If you've been to um, any church service or anything, you know, go, you know, missions, and, and we're, we're called to go, and, and David Hearn said, you know, if, if we have the Holy Spirit and we don't go, then things just get weird. The Holy Spirit actually empowers us to go. It's the power to go. But there seems to be a bit of a disconnect in our journey and in the body of Christ. See, we love, we love Jesus. We're Christians. We, we would say that we love Jesus. Jesus is our first love. We, we know all this stuff, but we aren't going. We aren't going. And, and I like uh, when I was in um, Norway in June, I got to hear uh, uh, Alan Scott. And Alan is a pastor in Northern Ireland. And in his church, his vineyard church in Northern Ireland, they're seeing entire schools come to Jesus. Entire secular schools, three schools completely give their hearts to Jesus. And they're seeing God move out. And he said this. He said, you know, um, he said, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he called us to, to go into all the world. But here's what's happened is we've said, Jesus, you know, we're really good at building church. We know how to do programs. We know how to do activities. We, we know how to do worship just right. We know how to, how to do the right program. We know how to serve good food. We, we know all these great things. So here's the deal. Why don't we build a church? And we know how to build good churches. And you go and bring people into our church. Isn't it true? See, he never asked us to build it. He asked us to go, but we want Jesus to go and bring him to the churches we've built. He, he builds the churches, and the gates of hell will not prevail. See, our churches need to be not measured by our seating capacity, but by our sending capacity. Jesus was not in the seating business. He was in the sending business. Please love me in this. I feel... I'm getting some glares. But Jesus was constantly sending people. He was sending them out two by two. He was sending 12. He sent, he sent, sent, sent. He, he was releasing. He wasn't holding and keeping. He was releasing. See, I think Jesus, I think Jesus wants us to get out more. I think Jesus wants us to get out more. If the Jesus we pray to, if the Jesus we read about in this book, if the Jesus we worship, if the Jesus we have small group about, if the Jesus that we read books about, if the Jesus we have podcasts about, he never leaves our house or our church. Are we really worshiping Jesus? Are we really worshiping him? Because the, the one that I read in this book, he's on the move. The king is on the move. Jesus called us to roar. Jesus called us to, to, to have courage to go. And, and, and you know what? The lion is on the move. The, the, the lamb was slain for seven billion people. The kingdom of God is advancing and we're called every day to live this thing out. Every single day. But what holds us back? I think it's fear. 
say it's fear. If there's one thing you could put in one word, I think it's fear. And, and that fear started back in, in, in the garden. And, and Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. So we see the wicked are running, yet there's nothing to flee from. They just run, thinking that there's something there, but there's nothing there. Why? Because fear. See, fear came in that garden, and, and tonight he wants to set us free from fear. 1 Peter 5, 8 says that the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, the key word there is like. He's not. But he walks around like, roaring like a lion. He wants us to fear and think he's bigger than he is. He's the father of lies. Jesus is the lion of Judah and the lamb that was slain. And he's the name above any other name. See, fear is this powerful adversary. It lies to us. It cheats. It prevents us from living our calling, from walking in truth. Fear is the root of worry. Fear paralyzes. Fear torments. It causes people to hide in the shadows. It manifests itself in so many ways. Fear of death, fear of the future, fear of poverty, fear of man, fear of you missed it, fear of failing, fear, fear of what you think people think, fear of rejection. See, the wicked have nothing to flee from, yet they're fleeing. When I was young and like any kid, you go to bed and it was bedtime, I would be scared of the dark. And it would be like the times that, you know, the closet was open and my mom's like spare clothes were in that closet. And you look at the closet and it's like there's a monster there. And your mind is like, that's a monster. It's a silhouette of a monster. It's a ghost. It's whatever. And you like, and you just want an excuse to get out of bed. So you get out of bed. You go get your dad. Your dad comes, and, and my dad would come and be like, no, no, flip on the light, close the closet. No, there's nothing there. When you turn on the light, you realize there's nothing there. It was all in your mind. Tonight, God wants us to open our eyes and actually see there's nothing there. See, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. See, fear takes our ability to receive all he wants to do. Fear takes away our ability to have confidence, boldness as a lion. Fear, guilt, shame hold me back from the revelation of the lion and the lamb. See, fear of rejection when we step out. See, if I'm a son and I know my father, then my identity is secure in the father. So if I'm rejected, rejected, <laughs> rejection, rejected, it, 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 rejection only hurts when it impacts my identity. But I know who I am. But Jesus, see, Jesus was rejected and he bore rejection for me. See, the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous means right with God. And when we read that, it says a righteous are bold as a lion. See, so because they're, they are righteous or right with God in their hearts, they are bold as a lion. The question is, how do we become righteous? What course do we sign up for? Here's my visa. Hook me up. Give me a deal, discount. But how do we become righteous? By doing righteous things? No. See, how did Jesus, who was a spotless lamb, become sin? By receiving your sin and my sin. We become righteous by receiving his righteousness. 
There's an exchange that happens. See, Jesus was so brutally beat and disfigured, they said they could not recognize him. He took an identity he wasn't, so we can take an identity we aren't. He, he grafted us into his family. That's the beautiful thing about grace. That's the beautiful thing of the story that we read about, about the gospel of Jesus. See, he wanted us in his family. Jesus was the lamb that was slain. So we don't earn righteousness. It's a gift. You can't earn it. He chose you and he chose me, period. He chose you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, he chose you. He thought of you that day when, when, he, when he died and he was on the cross and he had no sin in him. But he was that spotless lamb dying for each one of us. And we just have to say yes. We just have to receive it. We just have to acknowledge and say yes. See, it's not good works. You know, Galatians 2 said that if it was earned by the law or doing right things, Christ would actually have died for nothing. He didn't die for nothing. So how do we become bold as a lion? By receiving the work of Jesus as the lamb. It's both. See, the boldness of the lion comes by the righteousness paid for by the lamb. The sacrifice empowers the boldness, empowers the courage, empowers the roar of the lion. If I have a revelation of my value, then I can be the lion that God's called me to be. A boldness can come. A courage can come. Courage in the Bible is a good cheer. Courage, that, that boldness to come upon me. See, there was an uh, unknown quote. You never see those quotes that are from unknown. You're like, well, I wonder who said it. You know, they didn't get credit. Anyways, this person that didn't get credit said, your value doesn't decrease by someone's inability to see your worth. See, I believe the problem we face with fear, that the, one of the roots of fear is a value problem. That we don't know our value. There's a devaluation issue. What is value? Value is a price paid for something. And, and value is a, a piece of art. It's, it's paid for something. Um, value is determined by, you know, what is paid for something and who owns it. That's what determines value. And so a piece of art will sell, you know, um, it'll be set by who will pay for it. When we land in a Callowit each time, there's always a guy that wants to sell a, um, a stone carving, and he'll, he'll basically say, well, $300. And I'll be like, no, I don't have any money. Okay, 20 bucks. Like, <laughs> he just wants money, so he'll get his whatever money. Like, he just, it just changes, you know? And, and, you know, recently a pair of Nike shoes sold for $62,000. Why? Because Justin Biebs Aww. once wore them. His pillowcase went for $3,000. Why? Because JB once maybe put his, put his head on that pillow. See, the Bible says that you and I belong to God. God exchanged his own son for you. The cross proves our value. Jesus didn't die for junk. Jesus didn't die for um, 
garbage. He, he, you are incredibly valuable. I am incredibly valuable. Nobody's ever paid a greater price than God paid by sending his son to the cross, the lamb that was slain. See, the cross isn't a revelation of my sin. It's a revelation of my value. It's a revelation of, of, of the value that I have in him. And when I understand that, See, sin is terrible. Sin is, sin is, is this thing, you know, he who knew no sin became sin so we could become something. He became sin so you and me become the righteousness of God. See, it changes everything when we understand our value. It changes our perspective. It, it changes our actions. It changes our conduct, you know. Um, if you've ever had a beater car, you know, the old car that you just don't care about, you don't care where you park. You park wherever you, you park at the first stop available where there's no space and you can just get out because it's convenient, it's there. You don't care where you get your car washed. You don't care what cloth you use on your car. You like pressure wash it, you, you put the like dirtiest cloth, you just, whatever. You don't care about the car. It's a beater. It's junk. There's door dings on it. There's, there's, it's just, yeah. But if you get a new car, You park a long ways away. You may be that person that parks double stalls so they don't get door dinged. You, you, you buy the sheep cloth or whatever, duh, this is, you would know what. <laughs> All these things. You, would, you take care of your car. You know the exact thing to get to clean it. You know the exact, you just, you, you care for it in a different way. Why? Because you value it. You value it. Each one of us in this place have an incredible value. Each one of us are a precious pearl, a diamond, a jewel. And the Lord showed me as I was praying for tonight, there are some people in this place that you're either having marriage um, conflict or there's things going on in relationships. And God's saying tonight it's a value thing. There's a value problem. There's a devaluation that's happening. One person's not seeing the value in the other. There's a valuation problem that, that you're not seeing the value how Christ sees it for you. But now if I see people around me how the Father sees me, it actually changes how I see them because they're valuable. It changes everything. You know, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Each person that comes across, every enemy of mine is a gift from God. See, I see what God sees, and I can honor each person in the room. I can honor what they bring to the table. I can honor the gold that's within them. I can call it forth, because we're all seated at the table. There's all room at God's table. We're a family, and we are all seated at the table. There is space for each one of us, and there's space for 7 billion other people out there. It makes me want to go and call forth value. I shared this story, actually, the last time we were here in July, but uh, I was in uh, Cape Dorset on Baffin Island in, um, in, it would have been in June of this year. And when I was there, I, um, we preached. We had two, three nights of meetings, and, and uh, the, the one night, it was Saturday night, I, I was going to bed, and all of a sudden, I started to doubt my value. I started to just have these thoughts of, I think, I think I need to quit preaching. I have nothing to share. I have nothing to connect with these students. I, what am I going to share tomorrow? I, it's just, I think I need to, I think it's over. 
And I just started to like question my value and, and um, do, do I have anything really to bring? And then I started to think, well, when's the last time that I thought like this? Was it last week? Was it? No, it was the last time I was here, six months before. In the same hotel, in the same room, in the same, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. This is the same feelings that I had the last time I was here. So I, I prayed and I broke it off and I'm like, in Jesus' name, I just, I just put that, that's not, that's not right, that's not of you, I feel God's called me. I just like start like reading the scripture and, and start to pray and, and I went to bed and at 5 a.m. I woke up and it wasn't because it was light outside because I like garbage bagged my windows because it was like bright light. It wasn't because of that. It wasn't because I had to pee. <laughs> It was because the Lord was speaking to me. And he said this. He said, what you were feeling last night is what the people of Cape Dorset are feeling every day. They've lost their value. Tonight, speak on value. I had no idea what I was going to speak on that night. And so I got up and I spoke about um, value. I actually shared about Justin Bieber's $62,000 shoes. And I shared about value. And as I shared that, in a town of 800 people, we had about 80 people at the service. And as I called out the value, people started to weep throughout, as I'm speaking. Mothers started weeping. There was kids going in and out. And, and in this service, it was the first service we had where growing men were in the room, where th- these, these elders were there. And um, you could see God was speaking to them. This is in a community of 800 people, as I said, where teachers, priests, and school principals abused hundreds of people, sexually abused. There are cycles of sexual abuse still happening. And um, as I gave an altar call that you're in this place, you don't know your value. Please stand. Boom. Most of the room stood up. Growing men with tears running down, and we got to lay hands and pray over each person and call forth the value that God sees them as. There's hope. And we call forth hope. And, and um, people all across the room stood and and. I just remember saying, you're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. You may live isolated, you, but you're not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. See, God's narrative is always about family. And uh, in this picture, you see Mick there. Mick's 16 years old. He's been there each time we've been there. And he's a young leader. That God's calling, that he's starting to organize his peers, that he's starting to, to, to organize things. He, he's trying to figure it out but he knows that God has a call for him. He's trying to figure it out. He's like, do I go to Bible college? What does that look like? And we're continuing to pour into guys like him and believing that they're the future. They're the future of their people. I was going to actually go in October of this year, and, and we're actually going to send an Inuit team from Iqaluit to go and to minister to, to their own people because I think there's something powerful in that. And so God is doing something. God is... God is seeing people with value rise up. But a week after I was in um, Cape Dorset, I, I got on a plane and went to Norway, and I was in a place called Lavanger, Norway. And uh, Lavanger was having a conference called Encounter, and it was about 400 to 500 young adults in a prayer house, uh, this really amazing building and, and, and living area where they have a prayer house happening, but they gather each year for a thing called Encounter. And um, Nathan Edwardson, who's a dear friend of Resurgence and, and mine and, and our team, and he invited me. He said, I think you need to come to this. And so I just really was praying, and I felt, okay, bought a ticket, 
just, just thought, I need to go and sit on the front row and see what God would say and do. And so I went, just being obedient to that. And I'm there on the first night, and I remember just, I wish I could take you to the room, because the presence of God, what he's doing in Europe, it's incredible. The, the, for an hour and a half, for two hours, they worship. The presence of God, they were yelling in Norwegian. I had to get the, like, the headphones on to figure out what was going on. They were calling out to God. They were, they were calling for the nation of Norway to be saved. And I was like, this is our language. This, it just felt like home. And they had the cross in the middle, and it was all centered, and the theme was Jesus. <laughs> it's a good theme. And... Um, as, as worship would go, people would just go and start kneeling at the cross and, and lay down their sins and lay down things. And, and um, I was just there, and I was worshiping. I was just there to receive. And, and God began to speak to me about this lady on the worship team. And I felt him say to me so clearly, she's a mom. She's, she's a mother, and, and you need to call that forth. And I'm like, right away, my logical engineering brain looks at her hand. She does not have a wedding ring on. Okay, maybe she is a mom, maybe she left her you know, ring at home, all these things. And I'm like, maybe she's a spiritual mom. And I just felt God say, no, she has kids. You, you need to call that forth. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not giving the mic. Like, I'm, like, I'm not going to, like, what, what do I do? Do I go up there? So that was that night. I left it. Didn't tell anyone anything. The next night, Nathan's speaking, and he's like, hey, Travis, you need to come and share what you're sensing. So I got up. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. And I never told him. I just, I'm just, he's going to want me to come pray or something. So I got up and I'm looking for this lady. Well, she's, she's not leading worship the next night. And I look and she's actually in the back. You can see in that back part where it's like there's, there's quite a few people. This, this picture is even, but there's quite a few people back there in this cafe part. And I finally see her. So I ask someone, hey, is that the lady that was doing worship last night? They're like, yeah, that's her. And I'm like, okay, good. So then I'm like, um, hey, I just want to like, I just feel like God wants me to tell you. And see, God sometimes talks to us about others because he values us so much. And God was talking to me about her and I just said, you're a mom. And God, God wants to tell you that he really loves you and you've been through a discouragement. And you're a mom in the natural and I, and I see you have a gift from God. And I started to just say that there's songs that are going to come out of this doubt, doubt and discouragement you've been in. It's a new season. And, and as I started to do that, she just crumpled to the floor in tears. Like it just, you could tell something was going on. I'm like, okay, good. That made sense. I guess she's a mom. <laughs> so then the next thing that God gave me was for a guy on the opposite side of the room. So behind me here. So I'm like, so I, I'm like, hey, you're a pastor. I feel like God's saying, you're a pastor. You've had doubt. You've had discouragement. I just want to call that off and break off doubt. There's a call on you to pastor, and there's a call. And so I did that, and I prayed for some other people. And, and people were laughing when I was saying this. So I'm like, I'm not sure if the translator, like, messed up. I'm not sure if, you know, all those things. And um, so later they tell me, that the pastor was the pastor of a really large church in Oslo, one of the largest churches in Oslo. And he had just stepped down, and he was wondering what was next. His wife was the worship leader on the other side of the room. His wife and him have a child named Nathaniel, which means a gift from God. His boy, Nathaniel, was born with Down syndrome. And for the last three years, they've been in discouragement and trying to figure out, God, what is going on? 
And I remember saying over her, you, you have what it takes. You have a gift from God. You have what it takes. And um, got to connect with them later and just hear their story. But here, here's what's happened is, is God has such value for each one of us. And God sent me to Norway, invited by a guy from California to go to Norway to sit on the front to call forth the value in a child, a mother, and a father. Why? Because he thinks so much of us. Each one of us in this place, God has an incredible value over us. God, God calls forth the value tonight. And I just want to ask uh, uh, Brody maybe on the piano if he could just come and play. That would be awesome. God calls forth the value tonight. See, I shared this word tonight with you, not as some good word, not, hey, what, what do we share to resurgence now? It's come up with a new word. But I, I shared from my own journey because I, I really believe that, um, just being honest, I'm called to roar. I'm called to roar, and many times I've not roared because I've let fear stop me. I've let fear get in the way of what God's called me to do. And in this season of my life, God's brought me to a place where there's a boldness, there's a courage, there's a confidence that can only come from Him. And it's rising in our hearts. And I say this to our entire community because I believe there's a call for each one of us. There's a call as to be lions of Judah, to, to, to be that lion that He's called us to be, like the lion of Judah, to, to, to rise up and to roar, to go in every single aspect. Because lions are meant to roar. Lions are meant to roar. You're a lion. Tonight, the very resurrected power of Jesus Christ, the lion and the lamb, calls forth our value tonight. Calls forth our purpose tonight. What does the roar look like? And in a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer and, and we're going to see fear broken off and, and we're going to see that happen. But I want to leave us with a few thoughts because sometimes we can have a message, we can hear and be rallied up, but there's something about walking this out every day. There's something about the roar on Monday. What's it look like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What's it look like every single day to live a life that we are Roaring. We are lions. We are, we are bold and confident. We are who God called us to be. What does it actually look like and how do we actually practically walk that out? We're going to pray. God's going to break off stuff. His presence is in this place and you can just sense the tangible presence of God right now. But I sense there's, there's just four things I want to share. Number one is that practical ways to eradicate fear would be a love for the Word of God. A love for the Word of God. See, only what is rooted in the Word will actually last. Only what's rooted and founded in the Word will actually last. See, this book contains the thoughts of God. People of God that had these thoughts and they wrote them down and they're words that we can read. People are walking, are walking in revival when they have such a love for the Bible. That's what revival looks like. When this is a treasure... When this is life, when this is, is the guidebook, when, when, you know, it's not a podcast and all those things are good. It's not another book, but it's scripture. 
See, we need this weapon. We need these tools every day so that when fear comes, when thoughts come that are not of God, that we can actually go and we can, we can you know, declare what Joshua, do not be afraid. Every, every place you step, we can see every, throughout the Word, there's so much about fear and about the eradication of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, you know, on and on and on. Whatever verse it is that would come, but if you don't know the word, then you don't have that weapon and you don't have that tool. This is the most important thing. We need to know the word of God. We need to be rooted in the word in everything we do. Prayer. Prayer is talking to God, is spending time, allowing him to speak. My highlight this summer was coming to a resurgence prayer night at Horlock Park where it was rainy, it's hard to find. There was over 100 people showed up to pray. To me, that's revival. When asked what revival is, that's to have 100 people show up. It's not about numbers, but to show up and pray, to say we want to spend time with God, we, we want to encounter God. What does your prayer life look like? If we want to eradicate fear, there's a call to prayer. James 5.16, the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. In this season, I have invested, I've said, God, I want my prayer life to increase. It takes discipline, it takes time. We can, we can talk about things of God. We can sing the worship songs and we can do some amazing things and we can serve. It's all good. You can even go to Bible college and you can preach and all of that, but not pray. There's a call to know Him, to speak to Him. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to know His voice, to hear His voice. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know the voice of God. Tonight, you're going to hear His voice, maybe some for the first time. Because He's here. Worship. Paul and Silas were bound in jail and they worshipped and an earthquake happened and the doors opened. When we're bound by fear, what do we do? We worship. We worship. What does it look like to worship with abandon? To, to not care what anything else looks like? What would it look like if you came into a room, you came into your church tomorrow morning, and you don't care who's looking around, you don't care what it looks like when you raise both hands, you don't care what it looks like when you dance like David danced, or you lay down on the floor, you don't care because you just want to worship, because you want an earthquake to happen to eradicate you from everything that the enemy is doing. See, what does it look like to be so open and vulnerable and say, God, you can see me. You can see all of me. No shame, no doubt, no fear. I'm in. What would it look like in a resurgence if we come in and it's just an atmosphere of worship? Why? Not because there's other people. Not because it's the right song that we know. It doesn't matter what song it is. It doesn't matter what melody it is. I'm worshiping Him. In, in two weeks and 19 days, we're doing a thing called the Edmonton Burn. Why are we doing the burn? We're bringing 21, 20 worship leaders from across churches to let a roar out in the city. And I wonder, and I wonder, could this be a moment? Could this be a moment in history that changes our city? So I ask you, would you pray for this thing? It, it's taken, it takes so many volunteers and work. We need like tons more volunteers, as they said, and all those things. So if you, would you come be a part of this thing? 
Like, that's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing all this work, because we actually believe that a roar can be released in a city, that God's called a boldness to rise up, and there's something when unity happens and worship leaders come together. So it's going to be Thursday night at 7 till Saturday night at 9. You wake up at 2 in the morning, you can't sleep, show up. There'll be people worshiping. Central Baptist, why there? God had a word over that place, that water would rise up from the basement and, and go out to the city. So we're believing that's going to happen in 19 days. We're believing that there's a roar that's going to be released in the city. And and that's why we're doing all this work. That's why we're gathering. All these teams of worship are coming together. They're practicing already and believing for a roar to be released. Worship. Come worship. Might be songs you know. Might be songs you don't know. You might be able to just lay out. You can do whatever you want. Some people just come and they spend all 50 hours and they just worship Him. But something happens when we release worship. And the last thing is take a step. See, when I face fear, I know I'm going in the right direction. See, what I, I love the song Scarecrow by Jason Upton. He, he says, you know, if I was a wise bird, I would find the scarecrow where there's a field and a treasure. Scarecrows, what do they do? They scare away the birds from the treasure. What are the things that are scaring you away? Go towards them. Take a step. Step into that. That's where I want to go because it's a lot easier. I just know if if there's fear coming, I'm I'm going in the right direction. That tension is is good. Sometimes we run from fear. Oh, it's fearful. I I don't want to do that. I'm scared of that. That's when I know I got to go in that direction. Take a step. What does that look like? Pray for someone. Pray for someone this week in your, in your workplace. Pray for an open door. Let the lion be released. There's a roar in you. Let it be released. What would salvation look like in your neighborhood? What would salvation look like in your everyday? What would salvation look like? What, what do we need to do is just lean into him. It's just lean into Him, and if we fail, then we look bad. That's okay, because it's not about us. See, if I know my Father, if I know who my Father is, if I know Jesus, the Lamb that was slain, I can be confident in that. I'm confident in that. I can step, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, you're a daughter. You, You can step into that with confidence, And you can actually be bold as a lion. You can have courage. There's a boldness that comes when we know who our Father is, when we have that security. And then, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Fear has no place. So I just want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And I've gone long tonight, and I thank you for your patience. November we're going to kind of continue on with this and this is um, just kind of keep journeying on what God's saying in this area but um, fear fear can hold us back if you're in this place tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior he's knocking on the door of your heart maybe you need to give your life back to him maybe you need to come back to him Whatever it is, as I've been speaking, you know, that's me. 
There's something happening in your heart right now. I just want you to raise your hand if you're like, I need Jesus in my life. I'm asking him in. I want him tonight. Just want to give that opportunity. Scan from the left to the right. Yep, see that hand? Yep, yep, yep. We'll just wait another minute. Yep. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, all across this place. Yeah. I want us all to pray this. Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I receive salvation from you. I thank you that I don't have to do anything to earn it. But you died on a cross for me. And tonight, I believe fully in you. I cross that faith line tonight. I ask you to fill me with your love. I ask you to heal my heart. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask you to set me free from everything that is not of you. Forgive me of my sins. And thank you for your freedom. In Christ's name, amen. If you prayed that prayer tonight, I want you to let some of the prayer team know in a, in a few moments the prayer team will be around and, and they'll have badges on and we just ask that only those on the prayer team pray for people. And, and, and so if you see someone and you prayed that prayer, I just want you to go and talk to them. Come, come talk to us. Tell us what, what God has done in you. And I just want us all to close our eyes again. And as I've been speaking on boldness and I've been speaking on courage and I've been speaking on these things I've talked about fear tonight if you're in this place and you go I've got fear might be fear there's so many fears might be a lot of fears might be one fear but you knew right away that there's something that the Holy Spirit was shining a light on tonight And I want you to be bold in this. But I want you to just, if that's you, if you're like, there's fear. And I want to get rid of fear tonight. I just want you to stand across this place. If there's just fear that you just... See, God just doesn't say fear not. Throughout Scripture, He says fear not, and He provides with it. He says, Mary, fear not, for you have favor. Uh, In every circumstance, He says fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. There's always a promise with God. There's always courage that comes from Him. that responded to fear if you haven't and you still need to respond and just just respond just wait another few minutes
And if you've responded, just start to just start to listen. Say, God, speak to me. And I believe in this place, God's going to start to speak. You're going to hear his voice so clear. that God's going to come and he's going to reveal value to us. Because I believe that there's a devaluation that fear is often rooted in not knowing our value. And our value is established in this, the cross. And so I want to invite, if you've stood for fear, I know I'm making you do a lot of things tonight. And it's easy, you might just, oh, I just uh, I wish i sit down and go now, not deal with it. But I just challenge you, don't leave. God wants to totally break off the spirit of fear that's come against you tonight. And he wants to reveal the incredible value you have. It's a game-changing moment. It's a life-changing moment. So if you responded, I want to do, I feel like God's going to do something corporately over all of us tonight. And he's just going to break a spirit of fear. And so I want to invite you to, to come to the altar. Get in the aisles, whatever it is. If you've stood for fear, just come. And we're going we're gonna to pray, and God's going to release something corporately here. There's something special that's going to happen. And I'm leaning into him on that. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I know he does. So I invite you now, just come. Just come. Just come, find some space here in a moment. Just put your hands out like you're going to receive. Because you are. I just ask right now in this place I thank you that you're here I thank you that your presence is here and I thank you from the front to the back from the left to the right I thank you for each person that's in this place I thank you that you Jesus are the lamb that was slain on this cross and that lamb was slain shows our incredible value, that this cross speaks of the value that we have. So right now, 
in each person's heart and our hearts tonight, I just ask for a tangible, undeniable light to shine and show the true value. Holy Spirit, right now, from the left to the right, from the front to the back, reveal our value. the Father. Father, what do you see of me? What is my value? Just ask him. Some will hear him speak for the first time. is being broken, fear of failure is being broken, fear of missing it, fear of not being enough, fear of, of sickness in your family coming upon you, fear economically of taking a risk because of the economic. Someone in this place, you feel like there's a step of faith you're supposed to take, but the economics are, are what's happening in the economy. It's a narrative of fear. God never speaks to us in fear. 
but love. right now if there's a fear that you go I'm struggling with this fear then just confess that fear to him say father take this fear from me take this fear and just name it sons and daughters you call us to go from glory to glory there's addiction that's been broken off that's been rooted in fear addiction to pornography addiction to substances addiction it's rooted in fear and, and God's breaking and healing your heart right now the pain of that we just pray healing right now sickness it's root sometimes it's fear so God any sickness in this place uh, that's based in a worry and anxiety pain in the back pain God the stress diseases and the autoimmune diseases and the things that are all attributed that can be based in fear we break them now in the name of Jesus we thank you for the lamb that was slain was slain for every sickness was slain for every fear that was slain for every doubt was slain for every guilt that we feel every shame we thank you right now there is no shame we break its power After me, if you're here and you're like, there's fear that needs to be broken, we're just gonna we're gonna break it. It's hold. So in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are the Lion of Judah. You are the Lamb that was slain. And right now, I thank you that you're here. That you love me. Jesus, I ask you to take every fear 
For some, there's things that you'll just fill in after that blank, whatever it is. And if it's fear of this or fear of that or there's anything else that God puts in your mind right now, just, just to confess that. Say, Jesus, take all of that. Just fill in the blank. Give you a moment to fill in the blank. So Jesus, we thank you, you take all of those things. And I ask in your name that you would set me free from every hold of the enemy, every lie, every part of wickedness that's not of you. I thank you for your freedom that the word says where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom now just lift your hands just start to worship the Lord he's worthy to be praised sing a song sing what's up just say his name whatever it looks like God, we thank you. We thank you corporately as a community that, God, you've set us free from fear. God, I thank you fear has no place over resurgence. I thank you fear has no place over this city. I thank you that the lion is on the move. I thank you that you've called us to go. I thank you that you are opening doors that no man can open. So, God, we say yes. We say yes to every door you open. We say yes. God, let a roar, let a roar, let a boldness come upon us. God, I pray a boldness, a courage to arise. 